Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode recounting week one of college baseball and ask me questions if I was confusing. I'm still a bit muddled. I'm still a bit muddled on how I'm going to be doing the college baseball season. Normally, I'm doing an article on Friday. I did an article today in written form for Bleed Cubby Blue. Perhaps you enjoy those. Perhaps you don't. Perhaps it's not up your alley, da-da-da, whatever. But I'm doing them nonetheless. And I haven't been doing a whole lot of writing regarding baseball because, well, really, there's not a whole lot writing to, of writing to do. But I do want to recount some of the things that have happened on the first weekend plus of the college baseball season. Chase DeLauter was starting in center field for James Madison against Florida State this weekend. And Chase DeLauter did not have a good weekend on his first, first in his first game against um, Park, Parker Messick, who is going to go early in the draft, probably earlier than the Cubs were drafted in the second round, but well after the Cubs draft in the first round. Messick shut down DeLauter entirely. DeLauter went, I think, over three with three strikeouts. There will be days like that where players just don't get it done. Um, Carter Young, a shortstop for Vanderbilt, who will probably go a bit after the Cubs draft, 7th, probably 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, somewhere in there. Uh, on Sunday, he went 0-4 with four strikeouts. There are going to be days like that for everyone, and the question is not how is he doing today, but how will he be doing in four years? That is the question, that is the question, that is the question. Um... Dylan Lesko pitched well in his first abbreviated outing. I'm happy to hear it was very abbreviated and not concluded with an injury or anything. High school pitchers, take your time with them, developing them. There's no need to rush to get them up to 55 or 60 or 70 or 90 pitches. Take your time. You know, 30, pull him, hook him, done. Um, high school baseball games, yeah, you want to win the game. But you want to have your bell cow, your guy who's going to be the stud. You want to have him healthy. Um, Gavin Cross had, what was it, three for four with a walk on opening day. And then missed the next two days. And I think he missed uh, their fourth game as well. Uh, don't know what the injury is there. I haven't done too much research regarding it. I assume if there's anything too severe, I will see it on my Twitter feed at some point. I have yet to see it on my Twitter feed at some point, so I'm not worried about it. Now, one thing I want to talk about, about week one and what it all flows to. What it all flows to is the seventh pick. Seventh pick in July, seventh pick in June, whatever the heck the seventh pick is. 
Who should the Cubs be considering? Who should the Cubs be marking off? Who should the Cubs be valuing, etc.? All that kind of stuff regarding the seventh pick. Um, if you like a college arm, Landon Sims for Mississippi State was fantastic. By the fifth inning, he'd struck out 10 hitters, and his team lost. <laughs> he ended up getting the loss, but he was fantastic. It wasn't his fault that his offense didn't score. Uh, he, Mississippi State, the Nash, Natty, the national champions, got one hit in their opening day game at home. Yeah, baseball's that way at all levels sometimes. Um, but Landon Sims, 94, 95, uh, yeah, if he keeps that kind of stuff up, he will creep up into the 7-8 range. Um, yeah, if an SEC pitcher is absolutely incinerating people, then yeah, you'll find out about it. Um, overnight, 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 Brock Jones, an outfielder for Stanford, playing center field, possibly more of a right fielder. Um... He was getting the, what I call, Jace Young treatment. Nobody wants to pitch to Jace Young because Jace Young is really good. Jace Young might get drafted by the Cubs. Nobody wants to face Jace Young when the next guy following Jace Young is nowhere near as good as Jace Young. So when it's a key situation, Jace Young is getting the Jace Young treatment. Brock Jones was also getting the Jace Young treatment. Brock Jones probably, he fit, he fits somewhere in that 8 to 15 range probably. Stanford outfielder, right fielder, center fielder, something like that. We'll find out eventually. Um, tonight, first two at bats, pitcher had no interest, walked them both times. Third time he batted, the bases were loaded in a scoreless game in the fourth inning. 3-2 count, full count pitch, got a little bit too much of the plate. Brock Jones one-hopped it off the right field wall. Stanford... Uh, takes the lead, stretches it out. I'm pretty sure they won. There were some uh, upsets um, today. There were some upsets over the weekend. I strongly recommend, if you're really missing baseball, if you're really missing baseball, pick a team. really doesn't specifically matter which team you're picking to follow. You're picking a team to follow, so you're getting your ears trained for, oh yeah, this is what it's like to listen to a ball game. Yeah, I know some people don't like the BB core bats, the aluminum bats. I completely understand that. They pretty much have the BB core bats to the point where they respond much like wooden bats would. So it's not like it was back in 1987 where um, regardless how good the pitcher is, you're going to have a game that's 27 to 22. It's not like that anymore. The BB core bats are generally pretty honest. You will still have really high-scoring college games if a pitcher that can't find the strike zone is not finding the strike zone, or if the hitters are better than the pitchers. You know, you, you'll have those games. You'll have those games at any level. Uh, high school, college, professional, major league, whatever. Um, but uh, let's see, who else? Brooks Lee had a really nice game tonight. Shortstop for Cal Poly. San Luis Obispo. Um... His dad is a coach. His dad is his coach. He is going to be one of those names that is bandied about rather heavily for a top seven selection. And 
most of the time, most of the time, I'm going to be talking about hitters for the one through seven slots. It's not so much that I'm being a jerk toward pitchers, but most of the names up at the top of the draft do seem to be hitters. So I'm going to more be talking about hitters, plus hitters are more in my milieu of what I like to talk about anyway when it comes to draft prospects. One thing to mind, one thing to mind, one thing to mind. Over the offseason, the Cubs brought in Carter Hawkins to be the assistant general manager. We know that Jed Hoyer took over as the GM, that well, is the baseball ops guy. And Carter Hawkins is the GM. So Carter Hawkins is the GM. Jed Hoyer is the baseball ops guy. And as we all know, the Cubs have largely done better developing hitters than pitchers. They have focused on adding hitters almost more than pitchers. Historically, they've drafted hitters at the top, though not necessarily in the middle, in the late rounds. So there is an assumption that, yeah, the Cubs are going to draft a hitter with pick number seven because that's safer, it's what they've done, etc., 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 etc. Carter Hawkins was brought in as the general manager. Last year, Carter Hawkins was involved rather closely with Cleveland's draft. Cleveland's draft, oh, I should look up the number. I should look up the number, but I'm not going to. Between Cleveland and Anaheim. Between Cleveland and Anaheim. Their entire drafts in 2022. Cleveland and Anaheim combined to draft one batter. One batter. Now, I can't remember if Cleveland it was uh, 20 of 20 or 20 of 21 or 21 of 21. But between Cleveland and Anaheim, they combined to draft one hitter. Carter Hawkins is not afraid to make an aggressive dive into pitching. He's not afraid to do that at all. And if Jed Hoyer is going to hire Carter Hawkins, it's because Jed Hoyer values Carter Hawkins' opinions. Carter Hawkins' opinions are, hey, we're going to take some chances. We're going to draft some pitchers, and guess what? Some of these pitchers are going to break. They're going to break. Why? Because we intentionally made them break? Because bad luck? Because, no, pitchers break. Pitchers break because pitchers break. You're not going to have a hitter break nearly as often as you're going to have a pitcher break. Hitter problems are going to be because they don't properly develop. If a hitter doesn't properly develop, then a hitter doesn't properly develop. And that's how it goes. Oh, well, I thought that insert hitter here was going to be better. He wasn't. Oh, okay, live and learn. You know, uh, may maybe there's something we can take from this. Do a little bit of the research on what, were there any telltale signs in 
A ball in college and high school that he should have been avoided. Da 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 da. With pitchers, you know they're going to break. You know pitchers are going to break. A lot of them are going to break. You're hoping that some of them will either ricochet back from their injuries and still be good after, or they might actually stay largely healthy. Either or. Uh, anymore, what you're oftentimes going to be looking at is you don't have to have a pitcher stay healthy for 12 or 14 or 18 years. What you're looking at is, well, if you can get him to the major leagues in three years, and then... Four or five years later, he's still looking like he's a pretty good pitcher. Then you trade him, get something back, and you have somebody else developing along the way. Something I keep seeing, something I keep seeing, something I keep seeing. So many Cubs fans are, I liked the Cubs because I liked Javier Baez. I liked the Cubs because I liked Anthony Rizzo. I liked the Cubs because I liked Chris Bryant. I can't argue that. I cannot argue that even in the slightest. If Javier Baez made you want to turn on the television so you could watch Javier Baez play, I'm not going to argue it. Fine with me. If you think that Anthony Rizzo was such a dude that you wanted to flip on the TV and watch him lean into pitches and hit home runs and play defense very well at first base. I'm not going to criticize that either. I'm not going to criticize people being fans of Wilson Contreras or Kyle Schwarber or Chris Bryant or anyone. I'm not going to criticize someone for being a fan of a specific baseball player. What I am going to question is why with ooh, uh, recent data, definite recent data, and owners, 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 I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a lockout. Owners prioritizing their own personal wealth over the potential welfare of the game. With that as a starting point, since owners value their personal wealth over the long-term benefits of the game, why anyone would think that a baseball ops guy like Jed Hoyer or a general manager like Carter Hawkins will be being told, you know, if this guy here is rather good, not elite, but rather good, Rizzo, Bryant, rather good, Baez, rather good, not elite. Think I can I think I can phrase it that way without anybody getting too bent out of shape. Then what you ought to do is extend them to an eight-year deal, max dollars, and da, da, da. that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Owners have basically declared. Owners have basically declared certain numbers in regards to the competitive balance tax or whatever you want to call it. It's not just the money. It's not just the money. It's also the losing other things in regards to going over specified limits. The competitive balance tax is largely now a salary cap. You might want the general manager to go over said salary cap, which isn't a salary cap, but it's a de facto salary cap. You might want the owner to go over the de facto salary cap, but he's not going to. The goal is we're going to have these guys 
for a while. If anybody is interested in sticking around and signing a Kyle Hendricks type of extension or a type of an extension that Anthony Rizzo signed or, frankly, an extension of the type that David Bodie signed. If the player is going to sign an extension that the owner thinks, hey, I'm kind of good with this. I think he'll develop. I think this will be okay. This isn't going to hurt us too bad financially, da-da-da, etc. Then, yeah, those sorts of extensions will probably exist on into the future. But as far as we are going to sign this player to a monstrous um, extension that will impact our ability to sign other players on into the future, I, that's not really going to happen so much. Not nearly so often. Players will have their six or seven or eight years with a team. And then they'll move on. And the teams that will be successful will probably be the ones who can replace the players who move on. So, for instance, let's say over the next seven years you become a huge James Triantos fan. Absolutely loving your James Triantos. And you want the Cubs to sign James Triantos to an extension and da-da-da-da. James Triantos probably would not sign an extension. He will probably get to the point where he hits free agency. He will go to whichever team offers him the most money. And the goal for the Cubs will be to have a replacement for James Triantos by or about by the time he is ready to move on elsewhere. That's the mindset. People especially older baseball fans, are used to, well, Ernie Banks, he was with the Cubs for the entire for his entire career. Well, Ernie Banks was never a free agent. He never really had the opportunity to say, I'm going to go shop for another team, either pay me more or I'm going elsewhere. He never had that opportunity. He also had a uh, sunshiny personality that whether it was belying what he was thinking inside or whether his sunshiny personality displayed what he was thinking inside, he wasn't able to leave. Maybe he wanted to, maybe he didn't, we don't know. As you look to how the Cubs are going to do things on into the future, or how the Royals are going to do things on into the future, or how the Phillies are going to do things on into the future, it's going to be largely which executives are going to put together good enough talent pipelines so that whoever is good enough but not elite and willing to stick around can be replaced. Who can be replaced by players that are good and inexpensive? Because frankly, regardless what you've been hearing or assuming or hoping for in regards to the lockout, whether... Major League Baseball is more important than a good agreement or a good agreement is more important than Major League Baseball. Whichever, however, whatever you're using to justify whatever stance you're taking, owners are prioritizing money. Owners are prioritizing money. Money is what they care about. If a player happens to have some level of loyalty, wants to stick around and wants to, then great. But there is not much of a desire for teams to pay a whole bunch of money for a non-elite 
free agent to stick around. Freddie Freeman, maybe yeah, maybe no. Juan Soto, maybe yeah, maybe no. Bryce Harper, it was no. Owners are setting financial limits for baseball ops people. Baseball ops people realize they have to stay at or under those limits or they will get fired. Player development is absolutely monstrous. And with the Cubs, there is some question of whether the Cubs can develop pitching or not. Don't fear the Cubs drafting Dylan Lesko. Don't fear it. If the Cubs do end up drafting Dylan Lesko, when Dylan Lesko takes the mound in a game in Mesa or in a game in Myrtle Beach or in a game in Tennessee or in a game wherever, oh yeah, you can be all the feared you want on that. And when he goes out and manager comes out at some rather inexplicable time and out comes the pitching coach, uh, the pitching coach and the trainer along with him, and they start looking at his forearm. And you can get all the kinds of worried you want to get. Pitchers are going to get injured. Teams to be successful are going to have to internally develop their own pitchers and hitters. To develop your own pitchers. You're going to have to draft pitchers who get hurt because regardless how few or how many quality pitchers you select, pitchers are going to get hurt because pitchers always get hurt. It's how things work. So if you're going to decide, I don't want the Cubs to draft Dylan Lesko because he might get hurt, that's fine. That's fine. That's tolerable. That's acceptable. But wear that for the rest of your career. Wear that for the rest of your career. If you end up saying, I don't want the Cubs to draft Dylan Lesko. I don't want the Cubs to draft Dylan Lesko. <laughs> and then seven years, eight years from now, Dylan Lesko, whether with the Cubs or some other team, is a fantastic pitcher. You know what you get to do? You get to say, oh yeah, I was that guy who said, uh, I don't want the Cubs to draft Dylan Lesko. That, that, that's integrity. <laughs> That's integrity. That's what I expect from people. Dylan Lesko might well be the Cubs' pick at seven. Probably right now he's my default. He's probably my default. I have other players higher on my board, but I know other players are going to come off the board sooner. Um, Dylan Lesko at seven makes all the sense in the world, not because of Jed Hoyer, not because of James Triantos, not because of Kevin Alcantara, not because of Caleb Killian, not because of anybody else. Carter Hawkins knows what he wants in pitchers. Carter Hawkins knows what he wants in pitchers. Dan Kantrovitz knows what he wants in pitchers. If Dylan Lesko is that guy, if Dylan Lesko is that guy and he's healthy in June or July, whenever the draft is, do not be surprised at all if it's Dylan Lesko. And I'll even toss this in as a little and one. A little bit of land yap for you. If the Cubs select 
Dylan Lesko. You know what you can kind of expect from Dylan Lesko as far as a season one roadmap? You know what you can expect from Dylan Lesko is a hopeful season one roadmap for him in 2023. DJ Hurds in 2021. That's basically the roadmap. And it doesn't mean that the success would be the same. It does not mean that the success would necessarily be the same. The plan would be each outing, he has a number. You're going This start, he's going to make 45 pitches. This start, he's going to make 50 to 55 pitches. This start, he's going to make a little bit over 60. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And some of the outings will be fantastic. Some of the outings will be terrible because he will be playing against hitters who are much more advanced than he is. And what the hope is with Dylan Lesko in 2023, if the Cubs select Dylan, Dylan Lesko in 2022, is that he learns things as he goes along. And when he gets to the point where, if he gets to the point where, he can go 75, 80 pitches in Myrtle Beach, and represent that he's as good as the hitters at that level, then he gets promoted. Why do I say that? Because that's how you do things. If a guy is at a level, you let him play there for a while, then you promote him. Then you promote him. If the Cubs do end up grabbing Dylan Lesko in June or July, he will make some pitches. He will have some outings in Mesa, probably very brief. My guess would be probably three or four starts, totaling about six innings total. Congratulations, you pitched as a professional. And they'll keep doing what they're going to do with him, have him in instructs, have him working in the pitch lab, have him working on stuff. But it's not essential for Dylan Lesko to pitch a whole bunch of innings in games against more advanced hitters than he is. Get him in, get him out, get him some work, get him sitting down. And then that would be in 2022. And then in 2023, if 2022 is with the Cubs, 2023, treat him a bit like DJ Hers was treated last season. You give him every fifth or sixth outing, let him pitch, do not rush him at all. I don't know who the Cubs are going to take. I do not know who the Cubs are going to take. I doubt Lesko is top four. I doubt Lesko is top five. And if you dangle Dylan Lesko in front of Carter Hawkins, if you dangle Dylan Lesko in front of Dan Kantrovitz, if you dangle Dylan Lesko in front of Jed Hoyer, there's enough upside there to seriously consider taking that gamble.
If you still haven't picked a college baseball team, you might wish to. And again, which team it is really doesn't matter. I had a game on, a game on tonight. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say which game it was. I had a game on, on audio. I prefer audio. You might prefer video. You might prefer whatever. I prefer audio. Many games you can pick up on free streaming audio. Some that's not the case. Some games you can watch on ESPN. Some games you can watch on ESPN Plus if you buy the ESPN Plus, which I think is like five bucks extra a month, but I'm not sure. Then you have, then you can watch an absurd amount of college baseball. Um, but I prefer audio. I had audio on a game and the announcers were not adding a whole lot to the commentary. There just wasn't a whole lot. Uh, they just weren't very good. They just weren't very good. The announcers in the game before that, the announcers in the game after that were completely fine. But what you're looking for with a college game, a college baseball team, find a guy that intrigues you. Find a guy that works for you. Find a guy that you think is, wow, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this guy. I was listening to Brock Jones play tonight for Stanford. Patient. When he finally got a pitch, he nailed it for a three-run double. Can play right, can play center. If it ends up being Brock Jones, I won't complain. Might be a bit surprised, but I won't complain. Um, have your team. Find your team. I like listening to Tennessee. I like listening to Arkansas. I like listening to Georgia. Mississippi State has a good announcing crew. Texas Tech has a good announcing crew. If there's a school that you're even remotely, I don't hate those guys, listen. Drop in on one of their games. Georgia Tech, I was listening to them a bit. Kevin Parada. Actually, I was listening on the Georgia Southern Baseball Network. They were Their announcers were fine. Um, Kevin Parada, uh, did well. Um, Marquise Grissom Jr.'s, uh, Marquise Grissom Jr., Marquise Grissom's son, was tossing 95-96 for Georgia Tech. He's only a sophomore, so he won't be getting drafted this year. But there's stuff. You hear things. And if you become more familiar with college games then you can have a better idea of what might be coming up in the first round, in the second round, in the third round. Or you can just read articles, whichever way you want to do it. Um, week one wasn't really a whole lot of earth-shattering news. I don't think there were any major injuries, so that's a good thing. But uh, submitted my article for Tuesday... I'm ready for another article on Wednesday, and there are games tomorrow. There are games tomorrow, and uh, probably I'll be listening to games tomorrow, so I won't even be listening to Tottenham play. Hmm. Oh, well, I guess baseball wins over soccer. Um, week one in review. Cubs are going to get a top five name in the top seven. The Cubs are going to get a top five name in the top seven. Because I think there are going to be at least nine or ten top five names in the draft. The Cubs are going to get one of those names. 
You know, it, it really doesn't, if you, well, you know, this guy's going to go, and then that guy's going to go, and then Josh Young is going to go, and then Kevin, one of the guys, one of the guys at seven, one of the guys at seven is going to be a top five guy. Maybe it'll be Lesko, maybe it'll be Josh Young, maybe it will be, maybe uh, Elijah Green will sort some things out and work on his uh, bat-to-ball skills enough to the point where, he is a top five name, and if he slips to seven, then the Cubs should draft him. Whoever the Cubs end up getting will be worth following. He will be worth plopping somewhere into a very talented pool of prospects. The draft will add quality. And that'll be fun. Who that name will be, I'm not sure. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great rest of your week.